In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the dramatic win in the Coppa Italia against Milan. We'll be reviewing the emphatic win against Benevento. We'll be previewing the Coppa Italia Derby d'Italia against Juve, as well as the match against Fiorentina. This week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavale-Ruzzari, wishing you welcome to a very happy episode because Inter are through to the semifinals of the Coppa Italia, but more importantly, they are after having beaten Inter, Milan in a classic derby di, della Madonnina um, match where they won. Um, and... We're going to get to all of that because there's so much to talk about. I feel you can do an entire season on that game alone. But let me introduce my panelists, starting with the Semperinter.com preview writer, Mr. Positivity himself, Mr. Mystic Mo Nasa. Locked and loaded and ready for this episode. Looking forward to it, boys. Mm, let's do it. And we're also joined by the Semperinter.com chief news editor, uh, Mr. William Beckman. Hello, Nima. Hello, everyone. I've been uh, spending the last few days learning the Danish national anthem off by heart after the 97th minute of uh, Tuesday's derby. So uh, <laughs> I feel like maybe I can perform it at the end of the show because uh, it's a great tune. And uh, I want to be able to sing it a lot between now and the end of the season. For sure. For sure. Uh, for sure. Um, and we're also joined by our very good friend. He has his own podcast called the Coucher Connection Podcast. He has his own show. Uh, a good friend of ours. Um, well, welcome back, Mr. Alex Dono. I was just stuffing my face with cheese Danish, any sort of Danish pastry. I, I was just enjoying <laughs> And I'm so happy to be back, especially in a week off of two victories. Coppa Italia, Serie A. My timing is impeccable. Hey, guys. Well, <laughs> it really is. Let's get to it. I want to hear your thoughts, Alex. Um, first of all, watching that game, what I mean, how do you what are your thoughts just on the game as a whole? Uh, you know, after uh, you know, just just now a few days now, you've had a few days to think about it. I mean, that that derby um, and my my enthusiasm going into it was, you know, obviously I'm always going to be a little bit enthused, at least for a Milan derby. But my you know, my enthusiasm was not near the maximum just because it was a Coppa Italia game. So I didn't you know, this wasn't, you know, a a Serie A derby, but then the game itself, I mean, guys, the intensity of it were, it was a throwback to a better time, right? When, when the two clubs of Milano were, were, you know, it's been so long since both Inter and Milan have been good at the same time and competing for a Scudetto at the same time. And so you really felt a level of intensity in this match. And I know we're going to talk a lot, I'm sure about the scuffle between, uh, between Lukaku and Zlatan and, you know, you get varying reactions to it, right? Certain people will try and say, oh, this is a disgrace. You never want to see this in sport. You never want to see it in football. Um, you know, without picking apart the specific things that were being said, uh, just overall, I love seeing stuff like that, guys. I mean, I, you know, be, being someone who, who grew up, you know, watching Calcio and even, you know, watching NBA basketball back in the 90s, you know, seeing, you know, back when superstar players weren't all chummy and they weren't all friends and, and liking each other's Instagram posts 20, 30 years ago, you used to get intensity in big games on a regular basis. And, you know, of course, there, there's a history between Lukaku and Zlatan as former teammates at Manchester United. They used to have the same agent. They know each other very, very well. And so I, I just really enjoyed both sides getting a little chippy, getting a little heated. Uh, you know, the game itself was very good and very competitive. And when Lukaku got that penalty kick, you know, it was uh, Barella who earned the penalty, Lukaku taking the PK in the second half. Um, I, I thought he was going to smash that ball right through the back of the net. He was pretending that the ball was uh, was Latan's head, the enthusiasm he took that with. And what can I say about Christian Eriksen? You know, Erickson gets his opportunity um, and you just knew when he was lining up to take that free kick in the 97th minute and they had so much 
um, added time because of, you know, a referee mm. having to be replaced due to a muscular injury. So you're, <laughs> you're talking about being in the 90s. This game had everything. In the 97th minute, I just something about where he was lining up, because you knew that was perfect sweet spot for vintage Erickson. Nima, I, I just knew that was going in. Like in the back of my head, I said, this is going to be Erickson's moment. And it really wasn't shocking to me what he did there. No, for sure. I mean, I'm. I want to pick up on that point you made about uh from from years gone by because that's how it felt for me. I mean, the last ten years, roughly speaking, haven't been that great uh, for neither of these two clubs, and and the derby lost a little bit of its intensity and quality and passion for 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 sure. And then, especially when Gattuso took over uh, at Milan, he did decent results there, but the passion in the derby was dead because this this derby was always about winning for for both teams and he just parked the bus against Inter all the time um and then and then you have a turnaround when Pioli takes over uh and the 4-2 win when Inter come from 2-0 down uh that's that's the turning point where we're going back to the derby of old and then you have this game which had everything and it was it was the derbies I grew up with it was two teams that wanted to win it was two teams that were it was two teams with two players that did not want to concede an inch to each other they really wanted to win. It wasn't chummy. It wasn't lovey-dovey. It was it was pretty ugly at times. And if it if it wasn't for you know if there if there had been a crowd, then we wouldn't even hear what they what they would have said to each other, and the the the, the shitstorm that ensued wouldn't have wouldn't have ensued. But but you're absolutely right. To me, this was this was a derby of of the you know of years gone by, and I absolutely love it. This is the derby. That I grew up watching, uh, and 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 um, and I was talking to colleagues uh, in uh, journalists and and friends who are Milan fans who who said the same thing that regardless of the result, this was a Milan derby. This was a real Milan derby for the ages. Uh, it had everything, um, both on an on and off the pitch and and on the sidelines. And the referee getting injured was just that was just you know of course of course the referee got injured. So. Um, no, it was it was it was a great game for sure. But I mean, if we're talking more about the episodes, as the Italians call them, um, I we we can't get away from this uh, from the Ibrahimovic uh, Lukaku thing, which um, I'm keen to hear what you all think on this. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Mo. What's your take on this? On what happened? What's my take on on on? on I'll clarify. First of all. It is my personal opinion, with all due respect to everyone, that I do not think there's anything racist about anything that went down. I loved the argument. I loved the spat. It was really, like Alex was saying, it was a throwback to, to the old ages when people got in each other's faces. I also think that Ibrahimovic is a real prick, and I know that uh, pisses you off. <laughs> you were, no, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I, I like it. I... <laughs> that douchey uh, ponytail at uh, the age of... <laughs> He kind of reminds me of Conor McGregor, not, not, you know, not, not this last fight because he was uh, super respectful, but like he, he's almost like a caricature of himself now, you know, uh, like you expect people to really tone it down as they grow older, become a bit wiser, a little more, you know, uh, but the guy like one week he tells uh, Dupan Zapata, I've scored more, more goals than, I, than you've played games, <laughs> next week he's uh, winding Lukaku up. But you just wound up the wrong guy, you know. But Lukaku's not—he he, just—you—you you, you don't screw around with Lukaku. He, he doesn't—he doesn't mess around. So I, I really, I really loved it. I really loved it, and and like Alex said, it really shone the spotlight on on um, on the two Milan teams. It really, like, you listen to any any podcast this week, any world world football podcast, and they're talking about the derby this week. And this mm. is not something that has happened in a very very long time, and in particular because it was Latan. And Lukaku, the two you know marquee players on on both sides. Now again, do I think you know the, do I think there's anything beyond this part that needs to be discussed? No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody should be disciplined beyond the yellow cards that have been dished out uh, or, or 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 any of that. You know, it is what it is. Two grown men getting in getting in each other's faces. So so that's that's where where I'll, I'll I'll stop the discussion. I I agree 100% with everything you just said. I I think I think there's the, it's ridiculous. Uh, I think we have to <clears throat> Zlatan getting sent off in the second half. Yeah. Up another yellow was just so beautiful. And you know like color <laughs> of right smile. Everything about that was was so nice, you know. So so yeah. So so just like uh, Zlatan's a prick, but <laughs> the, the the argument was lovely and and fun. 
and let, that's it. You know, that's that's all I have to say about that. You know, let's yeah. let's let's not bring racism into this. You know, it's no, there, it wasn't racist, and and and, and the, what he's referring to is quite clearly when there's always an Iranian in every good story. Uh, Everton's owner uh, Farhad Moshiri, uh, when when he wanted to sign Lukaku, uh, claimed uh, that Lukaku had been on a spiritual trip in Africa. And that a, a, that a voodoo priest had told him not to sign for Everton. That's where that comes from. Uh, so he was he was just mocking him because of that. Um, it, it had nothing to do with racism. And, and I loved I loved that they were in each other's faces. And I don't I don't think anyone can take it seriously what they said to each other. Uh, it was it was childish. It was a bit embarrassing, but it was hilariously funny. And trash talk is a part of sports. I'm sorry, I don't subscribe to the to the to the school of thought uh, i said the same thing back in 06 when materazzi trash talked zidane to losing his mind totally okay with trash talk and the fine line the line goes at racism and 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 stuff like that but that wasn't what happened they were just two grown men insulting each other because they were getting each in each other's faces and and i think it's also really important to remember that lukaku didn't say anything. He wasn't offended about something racist. He was offended about his, Zlatan talking about his mother. And I think that's an important point in all of this. Uh, as for Zlatan being a prick, yes, he is an asshole, but he, th- th- but he's he's a very delightful asshole. And I love that he's an asshole. You need to have assholes. You, you know, Matarazzi was our asshole. Uh, the way he used to harass Andrei Shevchenko for his entire career. So th- it's part of the game. It's part and parcel of the game, and I absolutely love it. Exactly like you and Alex have alluded to. Um, so, so for me, it's it's just funny. I I just think I think it's good. It's good for the derby, like you said, and everyone's talking about it. These are characters. Latvans, you ha- has been at least if you want to be not generous to him. He has been a world-class player for the past 20 years. I'd argue he still is, especially in the air. Lukaku is as well. You have two big-name players. They're going at it, at each other. Two alpha males getting it on. It's it's hilarious. Um, I want to hear what you think, Will, uh, about this situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't offended personally by anything that, that went on. Um, I think from um, uh, a disciplinary uh, standpoint, uh, I do think uh, the referee probably should have sent them off um, because they did absolutely nothing to stop mm. um, their uh, their protests after the yellow card was was brought out because the yellow card was not for the insults. It was for the sort of fisticuffs. Um, but the fact that it then continued afterwards um, during the game, and then after the halftime whistle means that that's certainly the view that, of referees that I read anyway, that there was no way that either of them should have come back out for the second half. Personally, I don't, you know, I, I don't feel like it was, uh, too too much. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't that comfortable initially with with Ibra's um, voodoo comment because uh, I have seen. I know that Lukaku, as far as we're aware, he's not said anything. Was was offended by that. There have been some others that um, a couple of that I've spoken to that that didn't think I uh, didn't think a lot of that comment, um, and that's something that I can't really comment on, having not been in that position. But you know, personally, it was you know, aggro is good. Uh, I think I prefer it when it's kind of pantomime, um, sort of playful aggro rather than, get, you know, bringing up <laughs> people's mothers and, and talking about, you know, um, slightly more personal issues. So I, I wouldn't want to see it every week, if I'm completely honest. Uh, I might be different in that regard. But um, I mean, fundamentally, I don't really care. You know, I, I you know, I don't really get off on this kind of um, entertainment stuff. Uh, and uh, I've actually found it quite boring, the amount of... Uh, amount of uh, media time that it's got uh, in the last few days i'd rather talk about the game but that's just mm. that's just me being yeah. you know but fair enough fair enough uh, alex what what is your thoughts on, on that yeah and and i'm going to talk about it a little bit more uh, later with the moji but it is i mean to will's point um it, it is a little unfortunate in one aspect especially that 95 percent of the narrative coming out of that match was about the mm. scuffle, especially the voodoo comment, because I think maybe it, it, it takes a little bit away from a, um, you know, a, a classic derby from start to finish with the actual football being played in addition to, you know, the little, uh, the little, you know, I'm not going to use the word melee, I guess, but the situation that happened on the pitch, it, it was a fantastic game. Uh, and also it, it takes a little bit away from, uh, from the Christian Erickson narrative, because that was, that was a huge, huge moment for him. And uh, and even uh, I thought that he followed up 
uh, nicely from that in the Benevento match where he got a chance to play from the start and I, I thought it was quite good in that game. And I've noticed a difference in his confidence. I mean, if, if you're going to look at things like body language and the amount of smiling someone's doing and the enthusiasm that they play with, it's been night and day with him over these past two games. Absolutely. And I w I'm glad you brought that up because I want to I talk about the Christian Eriksen thing because it's quite clear to me that it, I thought he was really good against Fiorentina. I saw, I saw the embryo of something against Milan. I think we saw something, you know, where, where this embryo could go. And then against Benevento, he was, for me, the man of the match. The cross passes he made, uh, the, the, the vision, the, the, the registe, the regia, as the Italians call it, uh, have been calling it in the papers today, was phenomenal. He, was, he created play from, from, from his set pieces were fantastic. His, uh, you know, he lacked a little bit defensively, but you can, you know, this is Benevento. They were never going to hurt, uh, bother Inter defensively anyway. I think this is this is uh, this is a game changer. If they can continue to play him, I don't expect to play him against Atalanta or or uh, Milan or even or even or Juve. No, but if you're playing in Udinese, Sampdoria, Bologna. Uh, Christian Eriksen is definitely the guy to use because he gives you a, it's another it's another weapon in your quiver that you can use uh, in 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 your you know to hurt teams that defend deep especially like in the Udinese uh, in the Udinese game where they basically lined up two three lines of of eleven players uh, blocking and shrinking every space I think he he absolutely showed that he has the ability and, and the willingness to learn and adapt to that role, both uh, offensively and defensively. Uh, I thought he was really good against Milan as well, although he was only on for 10, 15 minutes. But but I thought he was good and he was getting involved and, and he's, he's getting shots away. And um, no, I, I really I really enjoy where this is where this is going. Um, uh, Mo, where are you? I mean, you were a little, if I, if I remember correctly, you were a little bit skeptical about Ericsson in that Regista role. Uh, but was that first of all? Do I, were you, or if I, if I, do I remember that correctly? And and if if you know, where are you on that whole thing? No, uh, yeah, I was I was skeptical uh, because of Ericsson's lack of uh, defensive commitment for sure, and his uh, especially the Fiorentina game where uh, uh, I believe that uh, uh, he was he had been given a chance to really do something special, and his his contribution in that game was just a. Uh, adequate was uh, mediocre you know it, it was neither uh, it, it didn't seem to me like someone who really wanted to uh, you know put their mark on 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 the role uh, threaten Brozovic for the position uh, etc I think we spoke about this a few months ago last season I believe it was uh, I think sadly that uh, Ericsson in the side means that Gagliardini has to play so it's Barella Gagliardini and Ericsson or Brozovic Vidal and Barella. Um, I think uh, Gagliardini, for all his, um, you know, faults and, and, and uh, shortcomings, you know, uh, volumes and volumes, I think uh, the fact that he's just, uh, uh, you know, extremely uh, hardworking, uh, continues to run, picks up, tries and picks up the pieces where behind Ericsson, where Ericsson might not track back as, as frequently as he should. And I think, like you just said, uh, Nima, I think it's it's a, a great solution to have in those games, uh, your Udinese game, your Benevento, maybe Spezia, those games where uh, where you need a, you need to give teams a, a different look and and you know just not go with the plan A. So I, I, I'm I'm certainly over the moon, and I think that uh, Ericsson coming back into the fold and a healthy Sensi are definitely going to be important contributing factors to enter Scudetto run. I mean, that, that's, that shouldn't be, you know, uh, undermined. What I'll say is, uh, especially in the Benevento game, and again, you know, this is Benevento, so we, we, that's a caveat there, an important caveat, is that, like you said earlier, Ericsson did really perform. He really did put his mark. And whether it's because, like Conte has been saying, he's been training for that role, so he understands, he knows how to interpret the role a bit better, uh, he was uh, more uh, comfortable, and 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 you know clearly Ericsson is a very temperamental uh, temperamental player who really needs to feel uh, comfortable and and and, and assured uh, when he's deployed. So maybe it's his familiar familiarity with that role that made him express himself a bit more. Maybe it's Benevento are, are are I mean clearly they are a bit weaker than Fiorentina, although Fiorentina are awful, are god awful. But 
but maybe maybe it was just that. Maybe it was just the fact that it was the second time second time in that role. But definitely, I agree 100% with you that uh, the Ericsson that we saw against Benevento playing that Regista role with that midfield module was definitely, uh, you know, miles and miles and miles better than anything that we'd seen from, from him uh, over 90 minutes, at least uh, since his move last January. For sure, for sure. Will, I'm, I'm keen to pick your brains on the air, uh, what you think about the Ericsson experiment. To me, I mean, I was very positive after the Fiorentina game, uh, and, and Mo wasn't. And, 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 I, and I think against Benevento, I think we're all in agreement that he was really good. But, and, and against Milan, and dis- disregarding, discarding the goal. But wh- where, where are you on this? Well, I was more or less with Mo at the time after the Fiorentina game, in that while I didn't dislike Ericsson's performance, I didn't really take much from it. Um, and as you said, this match was different. And I, I just wonder if, uh, and it was different in, the, in his, his sort of his attitude and his, uh, his almost like he felt like he belonged in the team for the first time. And I just think that that, that moment on Tuesday, um, that could be the moment that changes everything because he had not had a big moment like that in an intershare. It could not have been any better. You know, you, you need something like just that little, uh, that little sort of flicker of, uh, of turning on a light switch or just that little spark under your under your backside to get you going. And, and I, I hope that's the case because, you know, you could see how much it meant to him on Tuesday. You could see how much it meant to his teammates as well. Conte was really effusive in his praise after the game, saying that, you know, everyone wants good things for Ericsson. We all like him. Um, you know, he's not going anywhere. I hope this goal gives him energy. I hope this helps him come out of his shell. And I think it did. I think the only time I've seen Ericsson that sort of involved in a match um, in, se- in terms of, being a part of the way the team was functioning. The only other game I can remember that was anything like that was the Sampdoria game after lockdown where he was playing as a number 10 and he had 45 minutes where him and Lukaku and Lautaro could have scored about five goals between them. Um, but then that, that experiment kind of got ditched when Conte went back to his, his, um, his three central midfielders and then Ericsson never got back in the team. So, you know, maybe, maybe also there's also the fact that, you know, two weeks ago against Fiorentina, because I do think there was a difference in the way that he was imposing himself on the game. Um, compared to the, the Benevento game, which I thought was much better. Um, there is a possibility that now that he knows he's staying, uh, he's, kind of, uh, he's kind of screwed his head back on because we know that two weeks ago he was still pro- probably expecting to leave. There wasn't necessarily anything on the table then, but there was a lot of talk. His agent was fishing around in the Premier League. Um, so that, that could be, that could be a, another reason, not just the, the, the Milan goal, but also the fact that he knows now that he's probably, unless something ridiculous happens in the last uh, 24 hours of the transfer window, he knows that he's going to be staying. Um, yeah, I thought he was great. I mean, as you said, Benevento are Benevento. Um, a lot of people were, were getting excited on Twitter yesterday about how uh, Benevento had a, had a 0.00 xG, which I think I think they might be the first team, certainly the first team in Italy to record zero xG in a game. Um, you know, the, the final whistle didn't, was blown before we even had 90 minutes on the clock. So that gives you the, the an idea of the kind of threat that they posed. They kind of never existed uh, in the game apart from maybe a five, 10 minute spell after we made it one nil. Um, but yeah, no shots on goal. So I do think that Mo made a really good point about Gagliardini. I hadn't thought about that um, because if Ericsson's going to play there, the problem is not his passing range or his, his vision, which is what one of the things you need there. It's the, it's the mobility um, and the, the defensive awareness. So having Gagliardini next to him does make, does make a lot of sense in that regard. As, as you said, it's not going to work. I don't think in, in a big match, I don't think no. they'll start a, a big match unless Brozovic happens to be suspended, which is possible. But I don't think Conte is going to choose that. Um, but yeah, this is definitely something that we haven't seen and something that I'd, I'd given up on. You know, I didn't think that uh, I thought Conte had made his bed with Ericsson and, and was going to lie in it for forever long he needed. Um, but as you said, you know, the important thing is he's now he's now a resource to be used. He, he's now part of the, the rotation. You know, Conte made six changes for that game and he knows now that if he's got a big game coming up or somebody's injured, Ericsson can come in and, and be the, the person we need. Just on the free kick, by the way, um, two things that I noticed. That was Inter's first goal from a free kick since Cancelo scored in April 2018, which was 135 games ago in all competitions. So we haven't scored <laughs> from a di- direct free kick in, in nearly three years. And also it was the, the latest goal ever in the Derby della Maldonina in terms of um, in terms of normal time, excluding extra time. Um, the previous record, I think, was Christian Zapata's goal which was 31 seconds earlier than Ericsson's uh, a few years ago. And obviously the coincidence about both of those goals is that Stefano Pioli was responsible for conceding both of them. So yeah. the, ni- the 97th minute is not a friend to him in this particular fixture. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It was a 2-2 lunchtime derby, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. When Icardi finally broke his uh, Derby duck. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that. Um, and Candreva as well. Yeah, and memories. Curly <laughs> went to a back five, much like Conte did against Roma. And then, mm, for sure. Yeah. And they all went, went, so yeah, went, we've managed to wipe it. we've managed to wipe Zapata from Milan derby history, which is always good. <laughs> for sure. Um, well, uh, one one thing I wanted to touch base a little bit on was also Alexander Kolarov, who who I I honestly did not like uh, in that game. I think he was. He showed that he's really not good enough and that he's not a good alternative against to play in these big games. He was slow to react and there was a reason why Zlatan Ibrahimovic was always on Inter's uh, left side. Uh, Kolarov was completely gone for the goal. He needs to be tighter there, but he's too old and he's playing out of position. He wasn't good as a left central defender uh, at Roma. He's not. He's way past it to play as a left wing, uh, to play as a wing back or a full back. Um, I I was not imp- his. I mean, they they said that when we brought him, his his position, his his deliveries and set pieces and and crossing was supposed to be good, but they were atrocious. Aside from the first cross pass he made in the first minute, first two minutes. Other than that, he was he was a complete liability. I, I'm starting to I'm I'm you know I I how many more goals does this guy have to concede costing before Conte wakes up out of this dream he's in that Alexander Kolarov can do a job for him because it's really starting to you know against Benevento I don't care if he plays him because Benevento or Benevento but I don't like that he plays him against Milan and 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 it, this stresses me out and I think that we're going to a game we're we're headed towards a situation where he will play against Milan because Bastoni, Barella, and Brozovic are all one yellow card away from an automatic one-game suspension, and I hope that it doesn't come in the Fiorentina game because Lazio are the ones who are after that after Fiorentina, and they're on a incredible form right now. They they destroyed Atalanta today. Uh, they're five wins in a row. Uh, unbeaten in six uh, seven so um yeah I'm, I'm 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 a little bit you know this this color of thing is is going to come and haunt us i i don't have a good feeling about that um uh, alex well we're, 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 we're talk are you going to talk me off the ledge here or <laughs> no i'm gonna leave that to off the ledge. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't have anything nice to say about Kolarov. i mean unfortunately uh he, he should never have been signed in the first place um Unfortunately, he's in the squad, so uh, hopefully not often. But I think there are times when he really has to play, you know, as a, a left-footed, quote-unquote, center back. Uh, Bastoni can't play every single game. Uh, unfortunately, maybe he can, but I don't want to completely run him into the ground. Um, you know, Kolarov, every time he's on the pitch against a halfway decent opponent, you can guarantee he's going to be responsible for at least one goal. It, it happened with Ibra, you know, in that derby. And, you know, at first, you know, and, and I watched that game a couple of times. I tend to watch, you know, the fun victories more than once because I like to relive the joy. You mm-hmm. know, Kolarov, uh, to be fair, was a bit better in the second half, but he also wasn't going up against Zlatan for most of that second half because Zebra got sent off in that second half and they were going up against 10 men. So it, it aided him a little bit. So he was, let, let's say, uh, aside from a goal given up, less of a disaster than he usually is. But that's really not saying much when you're grading on a curve. Um, you know, this is going to go down as... Not maybe not the absolute worst because there have been a few of those uh, poor yeah. signings in the last four or five years, but th- this is one of the worst signings in recent memory. And I know that you know, of course, Kolarov wasn't expensive. You're not breaking the bank for him, but still, for a, a club with very important objectives, they already crashed out of Champions League. Mm. Uh, it's Scudetto or bust this season. You'd like to win Coppa Italia if you can, because I think any chance at a trophy is important. Having a guy like Kolarov at your disposal at this point in his career when he can't move, it's a liability, and that's unfortunate. His 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 deliveries and set pieces were supposedly why they brought him in. Yeah. I mean, against Milan, it was atrocious. It was unwatchable. It was it was it was so bad, and and it's just to me, it's like, come on, like, can we please stop now? Play him against Genoa. Play him against Crotone and Spezia. But other than that, don't play him. Uh, you mentioned the Coppa Italia, and we are playing the Coppa Italia semi-final against Juve on Tuesday. Um, what what are you expecting to see? Are you expecting to see something similar to what we saw in the Serie Amo, or or wh- where are you on this? What do you expect personally? 
my my expectation is we're going to see two teams that are very cagey. And I expect, I think Inter will go through, but I don't think Inter will go through by winning. I think Inter will go through by nil-nil draw at home, 1-1 one, one away on aggregate. That's where I am. What about you? Yeah, I think uh, that's probably uh, closer uh, to uh, what I believe than uh, than what I imagine the Coppa Italia, uh, the the Serie A game uh, just a couple of weeks ago was would have been. Um, I, I think Juve are certainly going to be. Uh, they have much more to lose here in the sense that uh, they need to really stamp their authority on, on you know their perceived. Uh, uh, subordinates in the table, you know, it's it's uh, they've been they've been really uh, you know uh, made made uh, made fools of by Inter by Conte uh, Pirlo by Conte in particular. So I think they're they're the ones who are going to really uh, uh, push uh, push the issue forward. I don't think they're going to be cagey. I think they're going to actually be quite aggressive uh, and, and, and try and make uh, Inter uh, pay quickly. But I also think that. Uh, or, or, or I, you know, optimistically hope that uh, Conte will understand. Uh, I, I haven't quite looked at their their um, their uh, their squad list. Who's recovered? Who hasn't recovered? Alexandro Cuadrado, but uh, we'll have analyzed and understood uh, the implications of everything. It's just a matter of how important, how much importance does does Conte and Inter give. Uh, the the semi-final versus the match against Fiorentina versus the derby, the subsequent derby that comes right after. So I, I think in general we're a better team at the moment. Um, you know, famous last words and all, but I think uh, we're in a, we're a better team in a better moment. And uh, like uh, like you were saying, like Will was saying earlier, you know, the fact that uh, Ericsson is coming into the fold, the fact that Sensi, you know, is hasn't been injured for more than two weeks now. Uh, the fact that we actually saw <laughs> thank on, God on for field. small favors, right? <laughs> you know, is on the field. Uh, the fact that uh, Alexis is, uh, you know, uh, showing his desire after the, you know, uh, the ghost sw- uh, swap with uh, Zeko, um, the phantom swap with Zeko didn't come, didn't fall through. Uh, all of that, I think, puts us overall in a better place. So I think we'll go through. But I think. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be as cagey as, as you make it out to be. I think uh, Juve are going to push, uh, try and force the issue, and Inter are going to beat them on, 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 on the counter, outplay them in the midfield, I, I think. What about you, Alex? So what, what are you expecting? Do you think it's going to be cagey? Do you think it's going to be more kind of similar to what Mo said is the, the league game was where you are pushing more and Inter are waiting? Let's remember that Hakimi and Lukaku are suspended for the first leg. So what, what do you yeah, and, and and that was uh, and and that was that was going to be my big point. I'm glad you pointed that out. Is that it's it's going to be difficult, and I think it's going to be cagey, primarily for that reason um, that you, you're not going to have Lukaku or Hakimi at your disposal. So you're, you're you're taking away a couple of your most you know potent creative players, whether it be a goal scoring threat like Lukaku and Hakimi, also a goal scoring threat uh, to his right, but also someone who can really create and facilitate. So, so right there, it's going to put Inter in a difficult spot. So maybe a little bit more of a, of a defensive focus for them. And, and similarly uh, to you, Nima, I'm expecting uh, Inter to go through. Um, I think, I think both games are going to be relatively low scoring, maybe a nil nil or a one nil victory at home. And then, and then a draw in Torino. But yeah, I, I, I could agree that that would be the similar tone. I, I think both of these squads are going to be somewhat cautious of, uh, of, you know, keep keeping their squads somewhat rested for Serie A. I mean, both teams are in a Scudetto race, so I, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Mm, for sure. What about you, Will? Uh, what are you expecting? Uh, and uh, wh- what do you hope to see versus the, uh, what you expect to see? Well, I agree with you. I think it's going to be cagey. It's the first leg of, of a two-legged semi-final, and it's a match against your biggest rivals. So, uh, I don't expect goals galore. I remember the first leg of that semi-final against Napoli last year was very much uh, on those lines. Um, although, actually, having said that, I think, if anything, I, I expect us to be more caged than Juventus because I think we're more comfortable playing that kind of uh, protective game than Juventus are. Um, I don't remember a single game this season where Pirlo has gone out and told Juventus to to sit back and soak up pressure. That doesn't seem to be what they're, what they're going for. So, I expect that we will probably play like the away team and we'll let Juventus have the ball. 
and we'll just have to hope that we can make something of it. But as you said, Lukaku and Hakimi are out. That's huge. So if we take a draw from this, preferably a, a clean sheet as well, then it's not a disaster. I would back us to, to sneak through in Turin. Um, so I, I don't expect anything uh, too dramatic in this first leg. I'm certainly hoping that it's slightly less dramatic than that Copper semi-final five <laughs> years ago when we both won a game three 0 and then lost it on penalties. Um, I, I don't want I don't want that to happen again. That was uh, that was a, a, a traumatic affair in uh, 2016 under Mancini. So, um, but it, it, this this period in general is is um, is interesting because I think the next three weeks are going to define our season. I don't know about Juventus, but mm. our next five games are Juventus, Fiorentina, Juventus, Lazio, Milan. Um, between exactly. the league and the cup so exactly. you know if, if we if on the 22nd of february which is the day after the derby we are uh at least the same gap to milan and we're in a copper final then i think we're in a very good place alternatively if we go out and then we we drop points against lazio milan then everything's going to be looking very negative all of a sudden and we're going to be trying to cling on to the coattails of of a season that's kind of slipping away again so i i think this is a I'm tense for this so far. I'm tense in general for this period, this month, February, because there's a huge amount at stake. Um, I just hope that these wins against Juventus and Milan that we've had recently, two deserved wins, two wins that were absolutely not flukes despite Milan's red card on, on Tuesday, have put us in the right frame of mind to approach these games um, with the right sort of uh, with the right sort of mental approach. Because this this team should be in absolutely no doubt now that even if Conte makes two or three changes here and there, we are absolutely good enough to beat any of these teams. The interesting thing about this game, though, is that, you know, Pirlo completely got his tactics wrong in that mm. match two weeks ago. Surely he's not going to do the same thing again. Like, well, that's exactly. Surely he must have learned something. Surely Brozovic exact, will be pressed, for instance. That's exactly, you know? what I'm, that's exactly what I'm thinking, is why I'm expecting a KG affair. I, I don't, if there's anything we've learned from Pirlo in his career so far, is that he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Uh, he, he makes it once, and then he learns from it. He did it against Barcelona in the Champions League, and then he mopped the floor with Barcelona. He did it against, you know, he, he did something he, did, he was outclassed by uh, Conte because he got it wrong uh, against Inter, and then they go and win the Supercopa, and they go on a bit of a run. So I, I think I think he's and he's found his midfield trio with Artur, Bentancur, and and McKenny. I don't think the three of them will play uh, this game. Um, I, I expect more. I expect him to rotate a little bit more. But I, but I'm definitely with you. I don't I don't expect him to to go out to do the suicide thing again um, and I and, and I don't think expect I expect Inter not to be as good prolific going forward without Hakimi and Lukaku who are without a doubt Inter's two most uh, that's, that's that's 70% of our attacking thrust, yeah, isn't it yeah it really is so, so so no no so I mean if I, I'm going to say I'm a goalless draw this first leg what about you Will uh, yeah, goalless draw would suit me. I, I've actually got one all though. Um, but, mm. but yeah, if I can choose, if I can choose a draw, then it's definitely a no-no. Because as you said, uh, away goals could be a thing. Mm. What about you, Mo? What, what are your what is your prediction for the first leg? Two one. Two one. Okay. Yeah. Any goal scorers? Um, Lautaro. I think Lautaro will score. And uh, you know what? Uh, let's give Eriksson another free kick. <laughs> nice one. And Cristiano will get the penalty, of course. Is that what you're saying? For sure. <laughs> Alex, what about you? Well, if Kolarov doesn't play, I'm actually going to say clean sheet for Inter. If Kolarov does play, surely a, a token goal will be given up. So uh, so if he's not on the pitch, I'm going to say 1-0 for Inter with a Varela goal. Uh, otherwise, I'll say 1-1. For sure, for sure. Right. Then we play Fiorentina. A Fiorentina who is not Fiorentina. I don't know what to call this Fiorentina side. They are crazy. They can beat Juventus 3-0. And then they have two. They have a meltdown and, and have two players sent off against an awful Torino and lose a one nil uh, and drop a one nil lead in the in the dying minutes. Um, I honestly don't know what to make of this Fiorentina team, but what I do know is that Milenkovic and Castrovilli are suspended against Inter, which is huge. But they do have a certain Frank Ribery there who caused Inter all sorts of problems in the return leg in the in, in this in the reverse fixture uh, in, in the beginning of the season. But I do expect Inter to win this game comfortably. Um, I really do because. I I've seen quite watched quite a bit of Fiorentina this season, and they are not good. They are not good. Um, and without Castrovilli and Milenkovic, you know, of course Borja Valero will play, but um, you know, I, 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 and I'm sure he'll be good because he's always good. 
uh, or Santo Borja, as Antonio Conte called him. But um, I, I, I do expect him to win, and I think that the clean clean sheet will be will be ruined in this game. I think um, I think Ribery Vlaovic will get one, but I do think Inter will win. I think Inter will win pretty clearly, three uh, one. What, what are you thinking, Mo? I think that uh, I really, uh, really hate Artemio Franchi uh, in recent years. I, I, I think this uh, it's a cursed uh, <laughs> stadium. I think we spoke about that last last episode yeah. or before. I can't remember. So I, I'm just uh, just not to tempt the fates any further. I'm just going to say it's a draw, a whatever draw, a one-one draw, two-two draw, mm. whatever. But I'm just not going to. Uh, I'm, I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> we're gonna. If we do make it with full points back from uh, Florence, it's it's no small feat, you know. It's it really is because these are points. When you look at the schedule, you know the uh, you do you do your you know your quick arithmetic in in your mind. These are points that I haven't factored in in any any sort of calculations for Inter to pick up at the end of the year. So if we come back with three points, amazing. I just don't think we will. I think we will come back with one point, uh, and that's it. Mm. Well, I mean, given that Inter lost three points away against Sampdoria and then Parma at home, and I, I think the, 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 these are the, this is where you have to make up those points. Because I'm with you. Looking at the schedule in the beginning of the season, I don't. This is not a, a place I expect Inter to go and win. And in fact, Inter have historically always struggled away against Fiorentina. But I, I, this Fiorentina is not good, and without Castrovilli and Milenkovic, they are very, very, very vulnerable. Uh, what about you, Alex? Where are you? Well, this is landmark because I'm actually going to be more optimistic than Mr. Positivity. <laughs> Nima, you completely stole my thunder. 3-1 is the exact scoreline I was going to and I will predict. Um, you know, not to, not to steal your thunder. You already stole mine. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I go back to that. And, you know, the, the game that uh, was uh, Inter's first game of the season, they played against Fiorentina, which was a, a wild, uh, I think, 4-3 was the final was an absolute wild game. It's it's really a different Fiorentina since that point. I mean, Chiesa was still on the squad and he played exceptionally well against Inter. Castrovilli played really well. He scored a goal, I think, in that game. And of course, he's suspended for this one. Chiesa's not around. And in fact, when uh, and Beppe Iacchini was, was the manager at that point, and, and when he subbed off uh, Chiesa and Ribéry, that turned out to be, uh, in hindsight, a, a tactical error that helped Inter get back into that match because the two of them had been playing so well. Uh, I think this is going to be more routine for Inter. I'm assuming they're going to have uh, their uh, a better version of their back line, because remember, Kolarov started in that game, and he was really the reason why Inter had to struggle so much, because he was responsible for at least two of those goals by himself. Mm, so sure. I think it's going to be, relatively speaking, I think this one is going to be smoother sailing with a 3-1 victory. Maybe it'll be 2-1 until the late stages, and then... Fiorentina will press and Inter will take advantage on the counter to get the 3-1. I, I, I think Lukaku probably gets a brace in this one and then yeah. maybe I'll give, uh, I'll give Lautaro the other. For sure. What about you, Will? Are you are you uh, are you more cautious uh, and don't want to jinx it, or are you more with me and Alex on this one? Uh, I am confident because of uh, because of the fact that Fiorentina are, are a disaster, um, but. I do also have a lot of fear of the stadium. I, I associate the Artemio Franchi with with pain. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be comfortable. It never is. We, we, we've been in a position to, to win these matches comfortably before and, and we didn't do it. So, um, you know, the, the four of the last five league games we've had there, we've conceded a goal in stoppage time. Um, so, uh, and the one game where we didn't concede in stoppage time was that 5-4 defeat under Purely, where we were already 5-2 down by the last 10 minutes. So, um, this is not a happy time. You know, the last time that we beat Fiorentina in the, in the league, we had the likes of uh, Jonathan Guarin and, and Kuzmanovic starting with Rolando Taider coming on in the second half. So, you know, Memories. It was Mazzari's year. So that's what seven seasons ago that we that's that's how long it's been since we won this game. But I agree. I mean, the, the fact that the fans aren't there is probably going to help us. That kind of uh, dilutes the Frankie factor a bit. Um, Castellari and Milenkovic are huge. Um, so, yeah, if you're, if you're just looking at it as a, as a football match between two sets of 11 players, there's no justification for us not winning this game. Um, Ribéry, I hope that he's in one of his his off days because 
you know, while he's fantastic when he's on it, there are also days where he does look like a, yeah. what is it, a 37 or 38 year old. In fact, the beginning against Torino on Friday was one of them until he actually scored. So, um, you know, this is, he can blow hot and cold. Um, Callejon is also getting on. So Fiorentina, they, they're, they're relying a lot on those two being sort of in the game and, uh, and uh, sort of um, uh, on the ball. So, Let's hope they have an off day. Vlaovic will be a pain. He scored that wonderful goal in this uh, this match last season that that, dropped, that uh, cost us two points. So, but I do think this will be a win. I think Ribery will score, and I've got Lukaku and Brozovic for a, for a two-one win. And I hope that that is the case. Mm, I hope I hope so as well. Right, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the negativity, which we presented by Mr. Alex Dono. Well, guys, uh, in, in this day and age, we see far too many trials and convictions on social media, newspapers, cancel culture. So I, I'm going to throw out uh, the emoji to many folks out there who just have jumped to the conclusion that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is now a racist. Because I, <laughs> I saw I saw that happening far too often. And I, I think there was really uh, a failure of context. And I think a lot of headline creators and clickbait artists uh, designed it this way. When you see the voodoo comments on print, um, I can certainly understand that without the context and without the backstory, why people would go where they did with, with the comment being made to Lukaku about doing his voodoo. I can understand why people took it the wrong way. I, I just think that sometimes there's too much of a failure in nuances. Uh, I certainly, and we discussed this earlier, I, I have, even though I, you know Zlatan is playing for the other team and I was happy he got sent off in the second half and I'm happy Inter won the game. Uh, I was never one to jump on the bandwagon of the witch hunt of accusing Zlatan to be a racist. In, in no way do I think that is the context he intended those comments to be in. And I think people made way too much of that banter. So hopefully the, the true story behind it and the backstory is, is getting to enough ears that people understand what really happened in that scuffle. Amen. Amen. For sure. Uh, let's move on to something much more comical. This week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckman. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Yes, I think Neil will be a fan of this because it involves Eusebio Di Francesco. Um, the, the one, I'm going to give the frog of the week to Tommaso Giulini, the Cagliari owner. Um, it's not quite as blatantly frog as some others, but I, I think it is rather remarkable. Um, Cagliari lost uh, seven straight games in all competitions um, in the last sort of couple of months. And they have been going absolutely nowhere. You know, we saw them in that game against Inter where they... They scored because of a fantastic goal, but for the rest of it, they could have been, you know, if it hadn't been for they could have been about seven goals down uh, by half time. And I haven't seen them every week, but whenever I look uh, and watch Di Francesco's Cali, they are a mess at the back. They don't have much going forward. Nine Golani is, is on and then he's off. There's just not much uh, logic to the team. Di Francesco doesn't seem to have a clue how to get them to play any differently. And he reacted, Giulini, to their 1-0 defeat at Genoa last week, which dropped them into the bottom three by extending Di Francesco's contract, uh, which <laughs> yeah. was an absolutely remarkable decision, given that not only were the, the results bad, the performances have also been pretty dismal. Um, so, you know, the, the, the thinking behind it is that, you know, maybe we'll, we'll put the players with their backs against the wall and they'll, they'll stop trying to um, take their foot off the pedal because they know Di Francesco's not going anywhere. And also, obviously, they probably can't afford to sack him. So they were just kind of uh, digging their heels even further. But they've just cost themselves even more money by giving him a new deal. And now today, this is Sunday, obviously, they, they conceded a last minute goal to Sassuolo. And that means that they haven't won in the league in 13 games. And they now basically, they can't sack him if things go wrong because they've just extended his contract. <laughs> so they, Giulini has just guaranteed themselves, basically, that he's powerless to stop Cagliari going down now. If because it you know at the moment they're probably one of the favourites given the way they're playing and their next two games are Lazio and Atalanta so if they're in the bottom three already you know this is this is one of the strangest uh, managerial decisions I've made I mean he's made a few I mean I remember he was the one that appointed Zeman when he was already about a decade past it a few years ago and they got relegated and he's he's pulled off another remarkable uh, move so um, 
Thanks for Barella, Giulini, but I don't I don't really approve of certain decisions you've made. Um, so mm. that, in the absence of any sort of bizarre comical moments this week in the world of football, at least I'm aware of, I think that was that certainly raised my eyebrow. Oh, for sure. I, I was laughing when I saw that. I, <laughs> uh, I, I, my, my colleague, uh, co-host on the uh, Italian football podcast, John, John Solano, he tweeted out, this guy has more lives than a cat. Uh, referring to Di Francesco, and it's 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 genuinely remarkable how he's still employed, and people are willing to hire him because the Cagliari squad is pretty decent. He's he's he is he's not yeah. a decent coach. They were in the top four. Christmas yeah, season, no, I mean so. Maran Maran is a decent coach, and he yeah. got them playing some really good football. But you know, I I I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Do you, do you remember when we um, drew at Atalanta with that goal from Miranchuk? At yeah. the start of that was the last time Calvary won a league game that same day. That was like <laughs> that's how far along far ago it was. Horrible, isn't it? And and he's still the coach. I mean, yeah. and they give him a contract extension. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> that, he's, he's tied his hands behind his back. I mean, I know he's good friends with Massimo Moratti, but not even Moratti would do. Of all the crazy stuff he did during his tenure, that that didn't make any sense. He never did anything this stupid. No. Uh, I mean, like, you know, even Zenga, Walter Zenga, who is not the world's greatest coach, he was getting a better tune out of them last season. Yeah, than than than, than Di Francesco's. I mean, it's remarkable that since Roma, he's just he's hardly won a game. Di Francesco ever he's been. I mean, it's been a collapse completely since he mm. got to that semi final. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, wor- the worst thing that happened to him was Costas Manola scoring that goal and uh, <laughs> getting in that ball. I think that's the worst thing that happened to Roma as well. If you ask most Roma fans, they'll say that it, that turned out to be a curse more than anything because uh, they've not had much to be happy about, as we spoke about last week as as the frog. Uh, right, let's move move on to something much more positive. This week's uh, Moratti, which we presented by Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent. And he surprised uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, it's funny. Huh? Uh, one week uh, you're, uh, you know, uh, really slim pickings. You can't find uh, anything to be positive about. And then the next week it's uh, just a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what to choose, you know. Honestly, I I, I really loved uh, the color of smirk uh, when uh, Ibrahimovic was sent off. That was fun. You know, it was, you know, just added to the whole thing, uh, the whole uh, drama of the uh, of the derby. The derby win in in and of itself was fantastic. Lautaro finally scoring a goal is amazing. Uh, Barella's performance. There's just so much to choose from, but. It's got to be Ericsson's goal, 97th minute uh, winner from a free kick. Uh, just absolute. Like we've spoken about it so many for for so long this this episode, but there is nothing better than a last minute winner in a derby, and not only the last minute winner by an exquisitely taken and executed free kick by an out of sorts, uh, you know, quote unquote star player who's possibly rebuilding his career in in, in black and blue. So just uh, for for the goal in and of itself, for the goal in the derby, for the goal to take us into the semi-final, but for possibly uh, realigning uh, Ericsson's uh, uh, fate, career, uh, future in Inter, uh, it's got to be that goal. 97th minute wonder. Grazie. Peace. <laughs> you have to agree with that, but also because of the fact that he does seem, I mean, you, you see on everyone in the team, they, he seems like a, they, they really, he's really popular. They really like him. And, and Stellini, Christian Stellini's comments afterwards about how he's worked so hard and he's really committing himself and he doesn't want to leave Inter as a quitter. I think one thing that I want, for me, it's, it's actually Antonio Conte this week. Because I think what Antonio Ooh. Conte... No, I'm, I'll tell you why. And, and and the reason for this is because Antonio Conte, the, the role he has at Inter now, especially with with Suning, you know, uh, the players not having been paid, or now they have been paid for Ju- July and August, you know, that creates, creates you know, uncertainty and, and can, can create problems. Then you have the issue with Suning maybe selling the club. That creates uncertainty. His role has been to keep keep this sh- ship together and keep this team together and get everyone to hold their things together and to perform. And he's done that. He has absolutely done his job and then some. And that is is really worth commending him for. Um, he's shown th- that that's that's the leadership qualities you need from your coach 
to sh- to be able to get everyone involved and feel everyone as, uh, as a part of a of the team and to fight for the team when your club is in turmoil. Um, I uh, yeah yeah absolutely. Uh, Nima has out positivity me and out. Uh, <laughs> can't love me. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I've always been objective about this guy. The things that pisses no, no, me off about him about. No, 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 yes, no, no, I am. No, no, no. I've no, always no, been no. honest about this. The, the, the objectivity thing... hasn't even come down your street when it comes to Conte. No, Conte, no, 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 no. Antonio Conte. The corner. The things that pissed me off about the Udinese game are still there. The insanity of Kolarov is still there. The Arturo Vital <laughs> fetish is still there. All of these, all of this craziness is still there. Um, but but you have to be all, you have to be honest. You have to be objective. And what he's done, no, you have to. And you know you have to be honest. And and what he's done at Inter this, these past four weeks, when it's been turbulent. And we know that everything in in, in Inter is, is accentuated by a million when it's turbulent. He's kept a tight ship. He's not let any of that nonsense get into the dressing room and onto the pitch. In fact, in, he's changed the narrative around Inter by great performances against Milan and Juventus. So to me, that that's 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 definitely worth uh, highlighting and, and the compliment. And in January, no less. Yeah, and we've had a good January, haven't we? Or decent. <laughs> Yeah, months, decent January. Know? Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. and that's, that's yeah, that's that's no small feat. I mean, I absolutely mm-hmm. think we that you know you got to give you got to give credit where credit is due. And 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 I think it's uh, it it just it just proves my point that he's a rich man's Mazzari. Because if you remember when Mazzari was facing the same, you know, when, when yeah. Moratti. Tohir, yeah. Mazzari was imperative in, in in keeping the calm and keeping the squad focused. Um, so, shout out, shout, you know, give credit where credit is due. I mean, he, you know, he's he's done an excellent job in, in this aspect. Yeah. You know. How often and how often do you see that these off off pitch issues have an impact on the, the team? I mean, remember Roma's collapse in January last year. That was when they were selling the club. And it's so well, you get so many examples of when you know the things that in you know sort of. Um, sort, of, um, sort of tangibly, they don't, they shouldn't affect what's going on, but they always do. You know these things, and I, that's why I was quite nervous about the Aventus game because that's when the the, the BC partner stories were starting to wrap exactly. up. We're hearing about exactly, and, and yet we had our best game of the season. And he said immediately after the uh, the Fiorentina game in the cup, I don't want distractions. We mustn't let this distract us from our our off our on pitch duties. He said on Friday when he was asked about this Jekyll Sanchez thing, I don't want distractions. I'm the first person not to want this. He's really been fighting for his players, um, and that's that's good. And just on Ericsson, I've just remembered that. Um, firstly, I agree; it was it was a great moment. And um, there was somebody, Alessandro Rini, who works for one of the the publications in Italy. He tweeted after the match on Tuesday that uh, after the match on against Milan, there were a few that the substitutes did their sort of classic warm down on the pitch at San Siro, and obviously Ericsson was one of them because he came on. Um, and before they left the pitch. Ericsson uh, put the ball in the same spot from which he took the free kick uh, and he took it again and he scored again, obviously, and all his teammates celebrated again as if he <laughs> scored the winner, which I thought was a really nice, um, really nice thing. Unfortunately, there's no footage of it, but I trust oh. him if you said it happened. And I think if you're talking about a moment that can change a season, you know, an image that will stay imprinted in someone's brain, I think that's that really could be the turning point for him. So, absolutely. Um, and you could see how much everyone was was pleased for him. You know, the, you always get sort of five or six replays on a on a goal. And when I watched that goal, I watched the match again the day after. I was there was about four or five different replays, and every time they showed a different replay, I looked at a different player because I wanted to see how every single player had reacted to the fact that Ericsson had scored. And they all seemed chuffed, like they were all really really pleased for him. Um, so I. I I think that's definitely in his, his favour. Certainly, it's, it's it's not his lack of popularity within the dressing room that's been a it's been an yeah. issue. Conte said, if anything, maybe he's too nice. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, we've all seen Mourinho in the Amazon documentary say that I want I don't want you to be c words. I want I want you to be c words on on the pitch, not nice boys. And I think Ericsson is is is, is a nice guy. On uh, he he is genuinely a nice guy, and I think. Uh, I think that's that's why he. I, I think this Inter. I mean, you don't have 
any C words on this team in that sense, do you? I mean, you've got, Maybe Collar of Vidal could be. Yeah, Collar of Vidal. Yeah, but I mean, you don't have, but but still, you don't have the, you don't have that mess with Icardi and Wanda and and Raja and, do you know what I mean? Like you don't have that energy around this team at all, and it's yeah. it feels really good. We were. We were doing a story on the site a couple of weeks ago about um, this this logo. You know, I don't know if you listen to Sil, but uh, Maru Icardi has come out with a new logo that's very yes. similar to the one that uh, that Inter produced. We were doing this rebrand, which is coming out in a few weeks. And Tuto Sport, I think, pointed out that Icardi's new logo, obviously MI is the same initials as Inter, Inter Milano. And he was his entourage were forced to deny the fact that uh, Icardi had copied our logo, and yeah, just, Wanda said and there was a story about Wonder as well. And I was just because I was, I was I was looking at those stories on the site, and I was just thinking, this used to be daily every yeah, day, every, <laughs> every day, every day. You just forget how bad so, it was. Yeah, like, it was horrible. It was horrible, and I'm glad we don't. Circus. Yeah, and I'm glad we don't have to deal with that anymore. And on that note, I'd like to thank Alex Dono. I'd like to thank you, Mo. Hey, always a pleasure, and what a great episode uh, to be uh, to be on. Yeah, and Alex had to leave uh, early. He had a thing to go to, but thanks a lot for coming on, Alex, and Mr. William Beckman. Thank you, everyone. Uh, please stay tuned to our website if you want to know whether Sooning are selling the club, keeping the club, <laughs> uh, flogging the club on eBay, whatever, <laughs> whatever we're, we're told. You'll hear about it on our website, so please. You most definitely please. will. You'll hear it first in English, absolutely, I, on, on Central.com. I'm going and then going to that uh, Reddit, uh, the subreddit, uh, what's it called, Wall Street Bets or whatever, no? <laughs> oh, that should have been the frog of the week, actually. <laughs> oh dear, that would have been a good one. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Right, let's all be at let's all be at time for this week. Uh, uh, I'd like to wish you all a good week. Stay healthy, stay safe. Listen to your authorities. Uh, wish you three points, a Coppa Italia, a place in the final of the Coppa Italia. Uh, I'm your host Nima Tali Ruzzari, wishing you goodbye. Until next week, sempre e solo forza. Italia.